Hi, friends. I'm Tierney. And I'm Shelby. And we're Dead Dead Drunk. Drunk. Many of you might not know this about me, but I love comic books and graphic novels. Most of the time, the gruesome crimes and gory scenes that you see in these graphic novels are just the fantastical imaginings of the writer that have then been interpreted onto the page by the artist. In this case, however, there may have been a little more hiding behind the graphic novel of Blake Libel. Before we get into this graphic novel-centered case, if you didn't know, my favorite comic book superhero is Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and I tend to fall on the DC end of the comic book spectrum for everything. Uh, my favorite series is the Secret Six. It's like a way better Suicide Squad, if you're interested. Oh, never heard of it. Uh, it's I got it from Paul. Shout out, Paul. <laughs> who gave me all, all six or so volumes to read through and i did remember when we did that book swap thing yes there was like and you sent paul, I 50, sent shades paul of gray. 50 shades of gray <laughs> i hope he enjoyed it <laughs> i can't remember what i sent somebody i never got a book though oh i got like three i never got any book it was really <laughs> i i felt betrayed i'm sorry eh, whatever so anyway, for this week's drink, I searched all over the place, and although this isn't where the inspiration for our drink came from, I felt the need to mention what I found. I found that there's an Irish bar in Manhattan called the Dead Rabbit's Grocery and Grog, and the owners of that joint created their own cocktail book titled The Dead Rabbit Mixology and Mayhem. Oh, that sounds fun. But it's not like every other cocktail book. It's also a graphic novel that tells the story of John Morrissey, a real-life Irish gang leader in New York City who died in 1878. We're not sponsored, but I'm putting that book on my wish list, and I think you guys should also get it. (laughs) That sounds so awesome. Right. I'm excited. I I want it. I might order it in the next second. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, really, this week's cocktail comes to us from Drink of the Week. What you're going to do is mix two ounces Coxburg fine rum or whatever kind of rum you want, half an ounce of triple sec, and half an ounce of chocolate liqueur. It says Godiva, but you could be less fancy if you want. And then you put all of that into a shaker, shake it up, strain into any glass you want, maybe a dead drunk mason jar available on our spreadsheet shop. <laughs> Love the plug. <laughs> if you want to be fancy, you can garnish it with an orange twist, but I, I'm not fancy, so... Then go ahead, strain that into that glass, drink it up, and that's how you make the Mayhem cocktail. Ooh, I love that. I know a drag queen called Mayhem. That's a really good drag queen name. <laughs> Mayhem Mayhem Miller, which makes it less good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's all right. She's fine. There's also a Mayhem Miller that's a mixed martial arts fighter, but that's not the same one. <laughs> I wish it was. I wish it was a drag queen that was a mixed martial arts fighter. <laughs> Imagine I would definitely subscribe to that. Okay, well, now that you've got your Mayhem cocktail, not Mayhem Miller all mixed up, are you ready <laughs> for the case? <laughs> Drink up the drunkies. Blake Lebel was born to not just one, but two notable Canadian families. His father, Lorne Lebel, followed in his father's footsteps and sailed for Canada in the 1976 Summer Olympics. I didn't really know that sailing was a part of the Summer Olympics, but I don't really watch any Olympics, so there's I have that going against me. So <laughs> Libel's grandfather, Stanley, had managed to develop thousands of homes throughout the Toronto area with his sons, who eventually inherited the real estate empire. His mother, Eleanor, was the daughter of Paul Chittel, Chittle. I don't know. You know I'm going to mispronounce some things, guys, and I'm sorry about that, <laughs> but anyway... This Paul held several patents and founded a very successful plastic sheeting company. So he was pretty well off. 
And with that wealth, Libel decided to pursue a creative career in Hollywood. He directed a low-budget film called Bald, which I can only assume is about a bald guy. Uh, <laughs> he contributed You're so to the. Smart. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's not. Maybe it's about like a hairless cat or <laughs> an eagle, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> a naked mole rat it's <laughs> it's rufus it's a documentary about rufus <laughs> i would i would watch that me i too. really really would me too but we already have it it's the naked mole rap <laughs> isn't that the documentary about rufus's life <laughs> that's the best thing i've ever heard <laughs> for reference this is from kim possible for everybody that didn't watch kim possible to which i say hey. It's on Disney Plus. Go watch it. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> it's not that hard. <laughs> Libel also contributed to the animated Spaceballs series, which was a spin-off television show based on the popular Mel Brooks film, which I also suggest watching cuz I honestly enjoyed it better than Star Wars, which I sh- probably shouldn't say, but I did. It was a lot <laughs> more fun. I know I wasn't a huge fan of Spaceballs. It's it's got its moments. It's not the best Mel Brooks thing, but it's which I I really enjoy Robin Hood Men in Tights. That's my favorite of his oh, stuff. But I think, I've never seen that one. Oh, that one's really funny. It's on Hulu. But <laughs> uh, I think that a lot of people would say his best is probably Blazing Saddles. I've heard of that one. Yeah, he probably has other stuff that I don't know, but those are his top three. I think. <laughs> Anyway, then Libel found some work as a screenwriter, but his most successful project was a graphic novel called Syndrome. Syndrome was originally published in 2010 by Archaea Entertainment, which is a subsection of Boom, who publishes the Ninja Turtles comics. And (laughs) I'm pretty sure I could double check that, but boom, I love them because they always put a little exclamation mark on on the end of their name. Oh, I love that. Gotta love onomatopoeia, am I right? snaps for that word (laughs) syndrome was illustrated by david marquez and blake libel was credited as the creator the story focused on a neuropathologist who was hell-bent on isolating the root of all evil and developing a cure for the mind of the serial killer at any cost okay yeah because of the subject matter The book included some incredibly gory illustrations of female bodies, which was to be expected after seeing a photoshopped picture of a baby doll head with most of the skull removed and the brain revealed on the cover. So, I mean, this was a book that you would see in the store and go, oh, that's not for children, you know? So (laughs) that's so graphic, though. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's really, really creepy, too. We'll share it on our Instagram. The Yeah, some of the images. According to the National Post, in Syndrome, readers would see, quote, illustrations of a headless female body lying on a blood-soaked mattress, as well as two people hung from their feet, drained of blood. The illustration of a headless female body, we will share on our Instagram, and Tierney, if you're in the dock, you'll see it a little bit later. Oh my god. Who? Okay, so this guy is, like, messed up, obviously. Yeah, right it's it's if his this is like what he's creating he's not the illustrator but he is he had the idea so yeah but yes is the answer to that Blake, question. sweetie <laughs> get some help sweetie although it's not uncommon for the art in graphic novels to be a little bit on the graphic, graphic? side <laughs> yeah <laughs> and a little risque if you will or like gory there are some gorier ones out there for people that like that i walking dead isn't particularly gory i don't think but it's like some things are grotesque in that i mean there are zombies so those are going to be gross i mean and i don't know if you guys remember but when one of my favorite graphic novels came out batman damned it came out in three volumes and now can be purchased as a full graphic novel with all three of them all people could talk about was the batawang because Oh, yes. I remember you talking about this. Right? Because Batman went full nude. Because what did you expect Batman to do when he got home? To just sit around in his bat suit? Like, what the? (laughs) (laughs) It's fucking Batman. Of course he's nude. Also, do you leave your pants on when you get home? No. No. So. (laughs) 
<laughs> so the gist of this is excessive nudity and violence were not new to graphic novels genre. Right. Okay. So now I'm going to bring a newcomer into our cast of characters. Ayana Cassian was born in Kiev, Ukraine, where she studied law before finding work as a prosecutor for a Ukrainian tax service, which sounds like a pretty good job, but I don't really know much about Ukraine or their tax services. <laughs> in 2014, Cassian decided to make the move to the United States to explore a career as a model in California. And after just a year, Cassian was successful in starting her new career and enjoying her new life in Los Angeles, where she met Blake Libel. Oh, of course she did. Yeah. The couple seemed picture perfect at first. Libel was a wealthy young man working in many different creative sectors of Hollywood, and Cassian was excited about her new life in the States and preparing to climb Hollywood's social ladder with her new boyfriend. Scott Johnson, a consultant for 48 Hours and senior writer for The Hollywood Reporter, said, quote, He, by all accounts, was friendly and people appreciated him. But behind the picture-perfect facade, the couple's relationship was based on lies. Despite telling Cassian that his first marriage was over, Libel was still married to his first wife, Amanda Braun. Ooh. He also apparently left his first wife, who was pregnant with their second child at the time, to be with Cassian, and was also seeing a third woman on the side, Constance Bucafuri. Oh my god. Dude. Yeah, not a great look. No, not. Not a good look. (laughs) Still, he seemed to truly love Cassian, and after only a few months together, the couple announced that they were expecting. Oh my god, so he has two women having his baby at the same time? Yeah, and his first wife... And they don't know? He has a son with the first wife already, too. So the first wife is having another son. So he'll have three children. Does the first wife know about the other one? I believe she did when he probably just delivered her divorce papers. He he oh. did ask for a divorce okay. eventually. Okay. Olga Cassian, Ayana's mother, said, quote, It was amazing news. We were so happy. All of us were so happy. Or at least everyone seemed pretty happy. For the first few days after Libel's daughter Diana was born, he seemed very happy. But that was only hiding extreme anxiety. According to some text that Libel sent to a friend during this time, he was worried that some of his brother's gambling debts might cause him to lose everything. Apparently, his brother Cody had developed a bit of a gambling problem, which resulted in him owing quite a lot of money to some Russian mobsters. Which, in short, are people that you don't even want to own, owe a few cents to. Ugh, those brothers named Cody, man. (laughs) Can't be trusted. He's actually here right now. Oh my god, Cody, hi. (laughs) (laughs) Johnson said, quote, Close friends of both Cody and Blake have told me that at least one case was taken for a large amount of money by some of these other more experienced poker players. Over $1 million, I heard. So... Cody was was pretty in debt and was a bad gambler, I guess. Okay, so he was probably right to be nervous about this. Yeah. According to all that's interesting, Libel was apparently afraid that those Russian mobsters or other people associated with his brother's gambling, quote, posed a mortal threat to him and members of his family. Despite the texts and stories from Libel's friends, however... The real source of his stress and anxiety seemed to be his chaotic romantic life. I mean, and honestly, if you owed money to the Russian mobsters, I don't know how, like, killing your family would help you get the money faster. I mean, I guess if they're threatening to kill your family, you'll do whatever it takes to, like, not have your family killed, right? Yeah, but I don't know that anybody actually made any threats. Oh. You know, like, he was just really in the hole with his gambling debts and happened to be involved with Russian mobsters, which I guess could land you with some death threats, but... (laughs) I I would assume, but, you know, you know what they say when you assume. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, it was probably more related to the fact that he had 
just a ton of women and just a ton of romantic issues. And a ton of babies. <laughs> yes. Like- Johnson explained, quote, he had made choices that ensnared him with three different women simultaneously, and that was kind of catching up to him. So he he had game, but he didn't really know how to play it. <laughs> Libel now had a wife that he was in the process of divorcing, a mistress, who I mentioned earlier, and a fiancé who had just given birth to their child. He's not even, like, fully divorced from the first wife, and he proposed to Ayana. Yes. Why? I honestly feel like if I was getting divorced, I probably wouldn't want to get married again for, like, a long time. Right. I I don't know. I Like, what's the rush? <laughs> I want to say some kind of obligation because she just had a baby, but so did the wife you're divorcing. So there goes that theory. <laughs> so, yeah, there goes that logic. Yeah. Still, Libel refused to let go of the control that he had over these women, and that's exactly what it was for him. Not love but control. Mm-hmm. While Calcian was still recovering from her C-section, Libel threatened to leave her if she didn't have sex with him whenever he demanded. Oh, my God. Yeah. So he, he is a monster. You were right. But <laughs> in a lot more ways than just the graphic novel. If that's not bad enough, and it is, <laughs> Libel would also ask her constantly if he could leave her to go out with another woman, which she most likely would agree to because he sounds manipulative and slightly dangerous. Cassian was so under his control that she even agreed to have her newborn daughter stay with her mother while she was visiting from the Ukraine so that she could focus on her fiancé. Oh my god. Right. Imagine having a baby and then having the father of that baby be like, can you give that baby to your mom so that you can focus on me? Because I'm more important. Yeah, no. Gross. Yeah. Olga said, quote, he was controlling her like a hawk. He wanted her to do everything he wanted. On May 23rd, 2016, Olga and her daughter were out shopping when Ayana received multiple messages from Libel. According to Olga, her whole attitude changed suddenly, and she turned to her mother and said, I'm going to him. And that was the last time that Olga would ever see her daughter alive. (gasps) No. Yeah. No. Yeah, unfortunately, this is another tale of if it it looks bad and smells bad, it's bad. You can't. (laughs) Yeah, it's. The next day, Olga called her daughter six times without any response, which was out of character for Ayana. And frankly, it should be out of character for everybody. If somebody's calling you six times, they really want you. So (laughs) answer the phone. (laughs) Olga told WCBI News, quote, I did try to call her and the calls went to the voice message. All of a sudden, I had this feeling that I had to go there. It's kind of a quote from a translator. She has to be translated. She is Ukrainian. Doesn't speak English very well. I don't know if at all. But anyway, that's when she called the police. She was put on hold for a very long time while the police searched for someone who could speak to her. Eventually, they found someone who could speak Russian and Olga managed to convey her worries that something was terribly wrong and her daughter needed help. Still, it took the police several days to respond to her concerns. So Olga tried to get into the gated condo complex herself with no success. With the help of a friend, she even tried to force her way in and even spotted Libel from the street. Olga told WCBI that she called him multiple times but never got any response. She called out to him from the street, not on the phone. Like she could see him Oh wow. in the window. Yeah. Finally, another resident in the gated community opened the gate and security camera footage shows Olga Cassian running through the open gate to the apartment that she knew her daughter was in. Olga knocked on the door and rang the bell, but there was no answer. So she called the police again, this time telling the 911 dispatcher that her daughter's life was in danger. And this time, the police responded. Despite what she said to law enforcement, there was no evidence of foul play, which meant there was no apparent reason for them to break into the apartment. Instead, law enforcement officers that responded to her call attempted to call Libel, which only resulted in them leaving him a voicemail before leaving the scene. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, legally, it makes sense. But also, we are dealing with the LAPD. So... 
I'm assuming that their slow response time in the beginning is purely because Olga was not American. That's which is wrong. But yeah, again, the LAPD, they're number one in they're the worst of the worst. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Olga told WCBI, quote, I was feeling that fear, a fear of police, fear of leaving the baby alone. So she returned home for the night. The next morning, she was back at Libel's apartment and on the phone with police, begging them to help her get to her daughter. And finally, on May 26th, 2016, the police agreed that it was time to go in. They argued that Ayana may be in some type of medical distress since she had recently had a C-section. So this gave them their reasoning. When they got there, law enforcement found that the door was locked from the inside, meaning that the key they got from the realtor wouldn't work. This left them with only one option. So they broke down the door. Wait, so if it's locked from the inside, then that means that he's in there. Yeah, he's in. Yeah, we know that he's in there because she saw him. Yeah. This whole time. Once they got the front door down, they found that the hallway door leading to the bedrooms was not just locked, but also barricaded. After getting through the barricade and taking the door off its hinges, police got a glimpse into the guest bedroom and spied their first sign of a struggle. Blood. When they got out to the locked master bedroom, Libel made his presence known. He yelled that he wasn't coming out and that Ayana wasn't home. It took a phone call from a friend to finally convince the millionaire to come out of the room. And when he did, he was only wearing boxer shorts, which I want to say not a good look, but obviously not a good look. (laughs) That's when law enforcement officers discovered the body of 30-year-old Ayana Cassian. No. Yeah. No. (laughs) You can yell it louder if you want, but I don't think that's going to change the story. Homicide detectives Rob Martindale and Bill Cotter were then called to the scene. Martindale would later tell 48 Hours, quote, nothing on the phone prepared us for what we were walking into. For this next part, I thought it would be best to let Martindale and Cotter tell you what they witnessed in their own words. So if Tierney will help me. Yes. <laughs> we're going to read. <laughs> Here's my, my debut. <laughs> um, where are they from? Can I do an accent? They're from California. They're in L.A. Um, it depends. And there are three okay. voices. So who do you want? <laughs> um, One of us will have to I'll double s- as Maureen, but that's fine. Um, I'll be I'll be William. All right. William Cotter. OK. And I'll, I'll do the <clears> narration <throat> lines. And if you want to do Maureen, then we're all cast. Perfect. I love this journey. So now we're going to give you a dramatic reading of a part of the transcript from their interview with 48 Hours' Maureen Meyer. Mayor. Matt. Maureen. (laughs) Maureen. (laughs) Okay. Been to a lot of crime scenes over the years, but walking into that one was, was just different. Stepping into the hallway that led to the bedrooms... Then things started to appear. They entered the guest bedroom. You started to see blood. Saw the bloody headboard. Blood on the walls. Then the master bedroom. Alright, I need to stop doing this (laughs) (laughs) this accent because I feel like (laughs) I feel like it's insensitive. Okay. There was an obvious large blood stain on the wall that someone had tried to clean up. And then they saw Ayana. At that point, she was covered to the bottom of her chin. Ayana was covered in a Mickey Mouse blanket. At first, she looked almost peaceful. Once her head was off the pillow, then you could see the full damage. The injuries she suffered were horrific and unspeakable. Ayana had been scalped. Her body was eerily and unusually pale. It wasn't simply the killing of somebody. It was sadistic. Blake had scratches and bruises on his face and a bite mark on his arm. She fought. She fought valiantly. Fought hard. 
Police also found a pair of Blake's pants with his passport and $4,000 stuffed in a pocket. What did it tell you? That this was a man who was probably going to dispose of Ayana completely, clean up the condo, and then probably flee this country back to his native Canada. Scene. <laughs> I'm so sorry that I... <laughs> no, it's okay. Like, halfway through, I thought, how are they going to distinguish between the narration and the lines? But It was perfect. It was great. But it's fine. Um, you guys got it. So, yeah. Ayana Cassian That's was insane. found... Yeah. Ayanna Cassian was found mutilated, drained of blood, and lying in the bed she once shared with her murderer. An autopsy report was released on September 20th, 2017 that listed Cassian's cause of death as exsanguination. And I don't know if I said that right, but that's the loss of blood. That just means you bled out, which is horrific. Dr. James Ribb, that's how I'm saying it, from the Los Angeles County Coroner's Office, wrote in his deposition, and this is graphic, so if you don't want to hear this, hit that 15-second skip or whatever Apple's equivalent is right now. Cassian's entire scalp was traumatically absent and was not found, was not present with the body. Her skull had been stripped down to the surface of the bone. There was no scalp present except for little bits in the back of the neck. Portions of the right side of her face were torn away, including the right ear and part of the posterior face on the right, all the way down to the jawline. There were quite a number of bruises and abrasions on the face, primarily on the left side, the left cheek and left jaw area. A number of bruises and abrasion, including one which turned out to be a human bite mark. She had lived for at least eight hours approximately after receiving the scalp injury and the bruise to the collarbone. I have never seen this before, and I doubt if hardly any forensic pathologists in this country or abroad have even seen this outside of, perhaps, wartime, so it's extremely rare. That sounds like like a sadistic. Like, they said it, but... Mm -hmm. Right, so this is why Martindale and Cotter have said that they've, they've never seen anything like this before or since. This is... I mean, like, I'm happy that <laughs> about that, that right, this is yeah. more normal, but this is insane. It's, yeah, it's really, really sick. So as I mentioned earlier, Libel had scratches and bruises on his face and a bite mark, but still maintained his innocence. When Matt... Okay. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> when <laughs> Maureen, I don't know why I can't say her last name, but we're just going to go with Maureen. When Maureen from 48 Hours asked Detective Martindale if Libel gave them any explanation for what had happened, Martindale said, quote, he gave no reasonable explanation at all, other than he said, really, the important thing was, science is going to tell you who did this. That's okay. what he told the police. So like, science is going to tell us that it was you, basically? I mean, science or the power of two human eyes. Like, I... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you went into an apartment. There was a body there. You have bites and scratches all over you. Mm, I think I could piece together what happened. And, like, if it wasn't you, wouldn't you have called the police? <laughs> or left the house or something? I, I mean, it's just... <laughs> It's so stupid. It's like not even giving any kind of alibi. It's just like, oh, uh, science is going to tell you that somebody else did it. I didn't. Bruh. Bruh yeah. <laughs> Bruh. Um, I don't know if I missed you saying this or if you're going to say it and I'm getting too far ahead. Did Were they able to determine like a time of death of like how long she had been laying there? Because it wasn't had had it been like a little while. I didn't see a time of death. Pre presumably, she's been she's been dead since the first day that she didn't call her mother back. So like May twenty third, and then they went in the twenty no sorry May twenty fourth, and then they broke into the apartment the twenty sixth. So, if they had listened the first time, would they have maybe found her still alive? I doubt it. Hmm. And if sh they found her still alive, I don't know that they would have been able to do anything at that point. 
Yeah. Um, it just it, the ex. It's just what he did was so extensive. It's just it's horrific. It's yeah. A, like we talk about a lot of serial killers and stuff. Like Jeffrey Dahmer, obviously, was like super bad, mm-hmm. but. Compared to a lot of the people that we talk about, this is, like, maybe the worst. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely one of the more graphic cases I've seen. Yeah. I think, I mean, they're of, obviously Jeffrey Dahmer is disgusting. But <laughs> this is, this is crazier to me because there seems to be no logical explanation. Yeah. It's, like, next level. Right. But Torture. yes, uh, I'm assuming, and I know what they say about assume, but because <laughs> he didn't leave the apartment and she saw him in there, Olga, I'm going to say that she was dead from the first day that Olga called the police. Maybe yeah. the night before. Because if you'll remember, she did leave a shopping trip with her mother, the 23rd, to go to Blake, and then Olga never heard from her again right so it could have even been three days either way horrible so despite his denial of this obvious murder that he committed libel was charged with murder torture mayhem and aggravated mayhem which is the inspiration for me finding our drink oh i get it all of which he pled surprise surprise not guilty to Okay, but, like, you're guilty, you asshole. Right. It's pretty obvious. Again, with the power of two human eyes, anybody could see. In court, the prosecution thought that the nature of the murder seemed eerily similar to those seen throughout Libel's graphic novel, Syndrome. Right. After all, the story focuses on a serial killer who mutilates, tortures, and murders young women. So, and if (laughs) if you look in the doc... The pictures on this page. Oh, my God. Yeah. And we'll post it on Instagram, too. This is shareable. But this is from the graphic novel Syndrome drawn by David Marquez. Is everything okay with David Marquez? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. uh, Again, this is not out of the ordinary for graphic novels. They, I mean, a lot of what Sin City is pretty graphic. There's a lot of darker batman that's graphic there's a watchman there's a lot of violently graphic and sexually graphic stuff in some graphic novels and unfortunately both of these things are a part of life well apparently they're both a part of life so i i it's not that something's wrong with the artist i think this is again Libel's vision for a graphic novel which originally he wanted to be a TV show but we'll get into it because the prosecution called Robert Ryan a co-author of Syndrome to testify Ryan who actually writes under the name R.J. Ryan told the court that Libel didn't write or illustrate any of the graphic scenes in the book which we could have assumed because in my eyes from the get go he was just some wealthy asshole who wanted to try and do everything right libel's defense attorney i'm just gonna say his last name because his i mean maybe this is how you say it heyday takasugi (laughs) we're gonna call him takasugi because i don't know about that first name anyway takasugi had stressed this to the jurors often while attempting to portray his client's role in the graphic novel's creation as nothing more than the financier which is partially true. He did put most of the money behind the book. Ryan testified, however, that Libel actually did have final editorial approval on everything in the book. Libel was credited as creator of the book and even wrote a cryptically worded two-page introduction that asked readers, quote, If you loved hurting things, what would you do? Seek help. <laughs> yeah. At first, Libel approached Ryan and his writing partner with an idea for a television series that focused on a psychologist treating serial killers, but eventually agreed to his idea instead becoming a graphic novel, which is great because I would never want to watch anything like this. 
Ryan told the court that Libel only provided them with a page and a half outline, which Ryan and co-author Daniel Quantz wrote a script that they then sent to David Marquez for illustrations. So besides the concept and character names, Libel had little else to do with the creation of Syndrome. Ryan added that out of dozens of meetings that they had to discuss the book's creation, Libel attended less than 10. They didn't even huh. show him pieces of the script or illustrations unless they themselves were, quote, thrilled with it. That's so weird. Yeah. I mean, it's odd to think that, you know, if you were walking around saying, oh, this is my graphic novel, you would think that you had something to do with the writing or the illustrations. But he had very little to do with it. Again, just portraying him as what I thought he was. A rich asshole. Mm -hmm. Who just wants to take credit for stuff. When questioned by the deputy district attorney, Tanaz Makayev, everybody, I'm so sorry about these names. Ryan did confirm that it was Libel that came up with the idea of the victims being drained of blood. Of course it was. Mm -hmm. According to National Post, quote, Blake told us that he had done a lot of research on serial killers. He said, Ryan mimicked how Libel jerked his hands upward, illustrating how a victim would be flipped upside down to drain them. I will never forget this. That's what Ryan said in his testimony. Yeah, because that's like creepy when it happens, but it's like, okay, like. I guess he's just well-researched. And then you, like, hear what he did, and it's like, holy shit. Right. It would be like if, you know, we were talking about Israel Keys, and then we went out and buried buckets across America. Like, well, you probably could have seen that coming, but, like... (laughs) (laughs) Like, I was talking to my mom the other day about, like, how to bury a body. Like... (laughs) Like that meme, I think I shared it on on our story. (laughs) (laughs) That meme that I shared on our story, one of these meme Mondays that I did... Because I skip Mondays because I'm lazy and I'm sorry about that. But one of the memes was a tweet where (laughs) it was a guy that said, my girlfriend just told me that a human body, if you puncture the lungs, the human body won't float. It'll sink to the bottom of the water. And I just want you to know that if I go missing, it was her. Guys, it was her. (laughs) Which, again, is like a lot of people in the true crime community are well-researched, but... This is, you're well-researched, and then <laughs> you yeah. you acted on it. So, however, according to Chief Medical Examiner Jonathan Lucas, Cassian actually wasn't hung to drain her blood. Instead, Dr. Lucas found foam in her nostrils and wrinkled skin on her fingertips which led to the prosecution's suggestion that Cassian was actually put in the bathtub with running water to speed up the release of blood. Ryan also recalled in court how all the creators became focused on answering the question, how do you treat evil? The book actually deals with this question and many others regarding evil and what compels killers to go through with their unconscionable acts. There's even a line in the book that reads, In the end, we all become monsters. And that's certainly true in this story, at least for our protagonist. Yep. Ultimately, the graphic novel added little to the trial other than possible inspiration for the act. So that intro you heard was a misdirection. (laughs) That's my drag name. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, I love it. In June 2018, Blake Libel was convicted of first-degree murder with supplemental charges of torture and mayhem. He was given the sentence of life without the possibility of parole. As far as I know, Libel has never given an explanation for his crimes, which again, I think is what makes it even more horrifying, is that it seems to have come out of nowhere. Yes, he was a shitty person before the murder, and definitely shitty to women, and shouldn't have been with any of these women. But. Yeah. He's. I don't know where I was going with that. But he's. <laughs> yeah. I totally forgot the beginning of that sentence. Anyway. <laughs> Sometimes I just start a sentence. And ho- what is it? The office quote. I just hope that it gets there by the end. 
<laughs> and I don't know where it's going. I just hope that I get there. Something like yeah. that. I don't know. Yeah. But frustratingly, he's never given, given any kind of explanation for his crimes, which means it might have just been a psychotic break. Him being under all that pressure of womanizing and abusing three different women. Oh, it must have been rough. In my opinion, he had this desire. I mean, he could have focused it a different way. Maybe talk to psychologists about serial killers or start a true crime podcast and get it out that way. Like, I don't know. But to me, it must have been something that he was focusing on. And given his easy life of luxury, he probably thought that he could get away with it. I mean, I do agree with Detective Martindale that it looks like he thought he could dispose of this body completely, go back to Canada, and get away with it. And he might have, had it think not again, been... Think again, bitch, think again. But he might have. If you think about it, he might have gotten away with it, had it not been for the persistence of Olga Cassian and the loving connection between a mother and a daughter. Oh, chills. To the police, if a mom comes to you worried about her daughter, she's right. Yeah. Their feelings are almost always right. So, if you want to discuss that with us, you can join us on Facebook on our page at Dead Drunk, a True Crime Podcast. Or in our discussion page, Dead Drunk Discussion. Woohoo! Where we talk about true crime or the removable pads and bras. Which, side story, I John was folding the laundry the other day, and he goes... Do these bras just have like one pad in one side? And I'm like, no, what do you think I've been talking about for months? <laughs> <laughs> Haven't you seen our discussion page? <laughs> to which I love all the comments and I agree. They were just made to piss us off. Probably by men. <laughs> if you make the drink, share it with us on Instagram. We love to drink with you. And it's fun because otherwise we're both drinking alone at home with our pets. So <laughs> so you could share that with us on Instagram at Dead Drunk Crime or on our Twitter at Dead Drunk Crime. If you want to suggest cases to us or send us spooky stories, we're still waiting for those. We have a few, but we'll take as many as you could send us. I know. I want it to be an hour plus episode of just scary yeah, stories. Yeah, that's what we have planned for you for Halloween is just scary stories. So buckle up for that. I'm so And excited. send us your scary stories at deaddrunkpod at gmail.com. As I mentioned earlier, we have mason jars, hoodies, bags, cute dog bandanas, all in our shop, which you can find linked in our show notes or in the... At the bottom of our blog post, which you can find on our website at deaddrunkpodcast.com. We did it. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I'm now so proud of us. I know that wasn't the most lighthearted episode I could have given you this week. <laughs> so I found some pretty good graphic novel comic book themed chasers. Oh, my God. Fun. You have your choice, though, Tier. We could do a basic graphic novel comic book quiz, which is just general. Or we can find out how well you know my man, Batman. Ooh. I feel like maybe the first one because I don't I don't know how much I know about Batman. Okay. I don't know how much you're going to know about comic books and graphic novels either, but I think that these are going to be more broad questions than Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Than the Batman ones. Okay. I don't know how I think there are I don't know how many questions there are, but we'll see. Number one. In Watchmen, what superhero name does Adrian Veet use? I definitely said that name wrong, but there are choices. Night Owl, Ozymandias, Rorschach, or Superman? Your hint is it's not Superman. <laughs> What's Rorschach? That's a name. <laughs> is that the answer? No, it's Ozymandias. Okay. Who is the hero of Akira Toriyama's Dragon Ball series? Goku, Hiro, Bulma, or Yamcha? 
Oh my god, Adam's gonna literally kill me. Is it Goku? Go- it is. It's Goku. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Have you been watching that? <laughs> no, but Adam loves Dragon Ball. <laughs> You'd probably get a kick out of. I think I watched it when I was younger, but John and I have been watching Dragon Ball Abridged, and it's the real animation, but people have dubbed over it with ridiculous dialogue, so it's... I highly recommend. I recommend all the anime abridged on YouTube. It's awesome. What is the name of Tintin's scientist friend? Professor Calculate, Professor Know-It-All, Professor Calculus, or Professor Algebra? I hope it's Professor Calculate. We'll find out. This okay. one, that one I don't know. <laughs> wow, I don't know this one either. What's the name of the new Asterix book? Asterix and the Poles, Asterix and the Peruvians, Asterix and the Picts, Asterix and the Pickaxe. And the Pits? Like the armpits? No, Picts. P-I-C-T-S. Picts. I'm going to say the pits. B-I-T-S. Like the armpits. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. Uh, the, 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 what are the, what? I don't know. What are the first two again? Asterix and the poles. And Asterix and the Peruvians. I'm going to go with the pickaxe one. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Sin City is a nickname. What is the city's real name? Boston City, spelled B-O-S-T-I-N. Sinner City. (laughs) (laughs) Sinner City, Basin City, or Nonsense City. Sinner City. Is that what it was? We'll see. <laughs> okay. I forgot that one too. <laughs> Persepolis is the story of a young girl growing up in which country? Iran, Iraq, England, or Afghanistan? I should know this one because I've heard, actually heard of it before. I'm going to go with Iraq. Okay. Who is the central protagonist of The Walking Dead? Sorry. Jennifer. <laughs> My answer is Jennifer. <laughs> Your choices are Rick Grimes, Frank Grimes, Dale Horvath, or Lacey Green. Rick Grimes. Yep. <laughs> how, how old is Calvin in Calvin and Hobbes? Five, six, eight, or 24? Oh, my God. Is he 24? <laughs> John, is Calvin 24 years old? <laughs> Calvin and Hobbes. <laughs> How old is Calvin is the question that Tooney has to answer. I don't think he's 24. I think that we can safely say. How how bizarre would that be, though? That would be really bizarre. That means he's just been a dwarf this whole time. <laughs> Aw, or he has, like, that disability where, like, you, you're stuck in, like, that mindset. Aw. Aw. Poor Calvin. I'm going to go with 24. Okay. <laughs> what creatures represent the Nazis in mouse? Cats, rats, dogs, or pigs? Um, rats. Really, Tierney? <laughs> I do not the right it, answer. No, it's called mouse. And the Jewish people are mice. So you don't think the Nazis would be rats? No, they're cats. But <laughs> cats are beautiful creatures. Cats are not Nazis. That attack mice. But rats are like <laughs> like the like the the what's it called? Rats are like the rivals to mice. 
I mean, I guess they're they're like the edgier version of mice. <laughs> yeah. Okay, there's only 10 questions. This is the last one, and this is a gimme. What newspaper does Clark Kent work for? Superman. The Daily Planet, The Daily Bugle, Daily Tatler, or The Guardian? <laughs> Daily Planet. You nailed it. <laughs> All right. So the first one we know was wrong. It's not Rorschach. It's Ozymandias. You did get Goku, though. Yes. Nailed that one. Uh, unfortunately, Tintin's scientist friend was named Professor Calculus. Oh, that's so I, lame. I like Professor Calculate better, too, yeah. so... Ah, uh, the oh, you had it right. the The name of the new Asterix book is Asterix in the Picts, oh. not Pickaxe. Damn. Sin City is a nickname. The city's real name is Basin City. Oh, that also makes sense. Oh, because yeah, that was dumb. I should have got that too. <laughs> Persepolis is the story of a young girl growing up in which country? Iran, not Iraq. Ah. Uh. You got Rick Grimes, though. You nailed it. <laughs> I got Goku and Nick, Gr uh, <laughs> Nick Grimes. I got Goku and Rick Grimes. Calvin is six years old, not 24. <laughs> <laughs> How funny would that be, though? It's like the thing that um, Peppa Pig, How canonically, is seven feet tall. What? <laughs> if you Google how tall is Peppa Pig, it says seven feet tall. That's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> At number nine, we know that the creatures that represented the Nazis were cats. Cats are not Nazis, but in this book, the mice were Jewish and the Nazis were cats. It makes sense. I wish you guys could see my cuddly little cat sitting next to me who is not a Nazi. So not a Nazi. <laughs> he loves everybody that pets him. And then the last one you got, that's the Daily Planet. So you got three out of ten. So <laughs> okay, well, I never claimed to to know anything about graphic novels. It was fun. I also didn't know a lot of those particular graphic novels. So that's our case for today. Reach out to us right. on email, website, social media that we already plugged, and enjoy spooky season, which we're setting off. Yay! Starting this week, spooky shooters every week, and scary stories in those spooky shooters. So. I'm so excited. So, yeah. Best wishes. Warmest regards.